Hi, I'm Michael Cashew. And I'm Adi Cashew, and you're listening to The WAG Podcast. This podcast is about health, wellness, and personal development. Each episode is a short conversation between Adi and I on a single topic with actionable steps. We cover everything from food, mindset, fitness, and relationships. We started WAG because of the way health and fitness changed our lives, so we hope to share a tool or two that helps you along your way. Yo. Hey. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. Today, we're talking about why we so strongly believe in tracking what you're eating for a period of time and being very precise. And we get questions around this almost constantly um, from people who feel like tracking, like they, they think, I don't want to track for the rest of my life. That's too strict or that's too uh, neurotic. Um, do I have to do that? And I also think that there definitely are some people that it's not good for. So that's like straight out the gate. If you've, um, for some people, most people with an eating disorder past, it can be triggering. It can be too strict for like, there are definitely going to be groups of people that it's just not good for, for the majority of active, healthy people that have a relatively, not super colorful relationship with food, but just like not a clinical eating disorder. What do you mean by that? Not um, a super colorful like not relationship. A, not a clinical eating disorder. So they... So most people. Yeah, like most people. Like me, I definitely had some issues with my relationship with food, but it was never a clinical eating disorder. For those people, uh, for a lot of people, tracking your food is a skill and it's something that can be really, really helpful. Right out of the gate, we also want to say that we don't believe that this should be a permanent solution for most people. Some people seem to uh, be able to sustain this uh, and it sort of feels effortless and it just Mm -hmm. becomes a part of the way that they eat. But for most people doing this very, very long term becomes burdensome. It it takes too much energy and effort. And that's not something we're a proponent of. Mm-hmm. Um, we believe that this is a skill to learn and a tool that you can have in your toolbox to pull out at any time. Yeah. And we're going to talk about why we believe that. Totally. A couple of years ago, um, I was on a podcast with Dr. Andy Galpin and he gave me this really, really cool analogy that relates to nutrition. And it's the cook-baker-chef analogy. A cook in a kitchen, what they do is they grab a little bit of butter, they grab some vegetables, they throw it in a pan, they throw in a little bit of meat, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and they kind of just wing it. Mm -hmm. Now, a baker, on the other hand... They have every single thing has to be super precise. Yeah. If you if you get the baking powder off, like just slightly, Mm -hmm. your whole thing is aft. The flour is off, you're screwed. If the temperature is wrong, you're screwed. Everything has to be super precise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. With baking, it's really like a science. It's kind of like chemistry where every little ingredient and the amount of the ingredient really does matter. Mm -hmm. Versus being a cook, you can kind of be a little bit more flexible. You can be a little off. You can mess it up. You can correct it. If you put too much salt in your cookies, there's no correcting it. Mm-hmm. It's just done. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to start the batter over. And I think the majority of people want to be... Wait, what about a chef? Well, we'll talk about a chef in a little oh, okay, bit. Okay, cool. Most, most people want to be able to just wing it 
and not put a lot of thought or effort into what they're eating. So they the want to be a good cook. still come out. They want to be a good cook and the food still come out absolutely amazing. Exactly. And healthy. Exactly. Yeah. But the problem is that they haven't spent enough time really learning the rules. And one... I don't know, metaphor quote that I really love is that you have to learn the rules before you break the rules. And this goes for just about any skill that you learn, even if it's like a a baseball player swinging a bat. If you look at major league baseball players, a lot of them have crazy looking setups, but I guarantee you as they were learning, as they were kids, they weren't swinging like that. They were using Mm -hmm. perfect technique. And then as they mastered those basics and fundamentals, then they were able to start playing around and adding flair and having a more unique swing. Yeah. And weightlifting, that's what happens with like a dynamic start. So if anybody, if you see a weightlifter that's doing a snatch and you notice before they lift the bar off the ground that they like move their hips up and down and then kind of move into the snatch versus start from being still, when you're learning how to snatch, a dynamic start is not necessarily the best way to figure it out because you haven't gotten the opportunity to figure out the way that your body works first Mm -hmm. before you can break the rules. The Mm -hmm. rule is... Pick a spot, start from there. So most people think that they, or most people want to just go immediately to being a great cook or being a chef. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, But the problem is that they don't have the skills. They don't really know what the right ingredients are for their body. They don't know the precise amount of macronutrients, calories to feel good, to look the way they, they want. And they just don't have the ability to do that while kind of winging it. And they, they also they can't don't eyeball foods mm-hmm. they, and they can't, they can't be like a cook yet. They also don't know what is in foods necessarily. So they don't know this vegetable has more carbohydrates and is denser in calories than this vegetable. Or what does a balanced plate actually look like? How much protein am I actually getting in a day based on the different types of meats that I'm having, which meats are fattier than others. There's not of this awareness of what is my food actually made up of and how is that making me feel? Mm-hmm. How is that contributing to me in different ways? And um, what does that equate to in terms of total caloric intake in a day? Yeah, people don't know how many carbohydrates are in avocados. I should have eaten before we went keto. Devastating. It was so sad. Devastating. I thought I could just eat avocados all day long. I felt that way about yogurt too. Like, I mean, there are definitely some yogurts that are way lower carb, but dairy has carbohydrates in Mm -hmm. it. I'm like, damn. Mm -hmm. Dang it. (laughs) So we are huge proponents of being a baker first, of being very, very precise so that you can learn the exact... Um, specifications of your body. You can learn exactly what makes you feel best at this moment in your life or at this in this time period of your life. And the, the reason I say time period is because what you need when you're 20 and training two hours a day is very different, probably very different than what you're going to need at 35, you know, barely trying to squeeze in a 30 minute workout when you are, you know, working at working full time and you have kids, et cetera. Like the same diet doesn't always work for us. And you can even bring it in like, uh, God forbid you got sick and you had to follow some type of different protocol or you realize you have some food sensitivities and 
you have to cut certain food groups out of your food diet. So what we're, why we're such a huge believer in having a period of time where you learn the skills that is required to build awareness around your food, be precise with tracking your food, um, knowing how much you're eating in a day and how it makes you feel is because life is going to throw you some curveballs. So it's going to give you confidence that you can handle all of those curveballs and you're going to be able to um, adapt and be flexible instead of just being stuck in this one way of eating and not feeling confident to be able to adjust to the other things that are going on. It's kind of like you go from, yeah, we're going to talk more about like the different transitions for sure. And then finally, when you've done this for long enough, you've learned what your body needs and you've practiced using precision without weighing, measuring, and tracking everything, then you're on your way to becoming a chef. A chef is a cook that has spent so much time learning all of the skills and the chemistry of food that now they don't have to follow all of the rules. They know the rules enough to know which ones they can break and in which sequence and what things go together well so that they they can create masterpieces without having to follow a recipe. And I think that's where all of us ultimately want to get to. And I've seen Adi operate this way, like when we traveled through Europe and she maintained her weight for over a month and we continued to eat. She didn't restrict herself. Now, she wasn't going and binging and eating a ton of crappy food, but she enjoyed uh, the, the different foods that the you know, the local cultures offered and she maintained her weight the entire time. So she was a masterpiece. This body was a masterpiece, but she didn't have to put a ton of effort into it. Mm-hmm. I think I misspoke earlier when I said something about a good cook. Uh, there's just cook, basic cook, there's baker, and then there's chef. The chef is like the equivalent of a really great cook. Someone that can feel like they're almost winging it, but they can maintain or even work towards uh, body composition goals like yeah. losing body fat or something. The chef has a much deeper awareness and understanding of food than a cook and how they work together and how the flavors pair together and that type of thing. That's what makes them, they've developed all of that awareness. Okay. So talk about your story a little bit about how you uh, first started tracking and your journey into becoming a chef. Yeah. Well, I tracked my food really precisely for six years, around six years total. And um, like in consecutive, not total. Uh, and I mean, that, I don't think it requires you taking that long. I was just competing as a weightlifter and in a specific weight class. So I think you can build these skills way sooner than six years. I was just, I was in a routine and I was training 20 hours a week and I was needed to maintain my weight for certain competitions. And that's just what worked for me at the time. I didn't have other a lot of other stressors and responsibilities in my life. Afterwards, when I retired, I guess, from competing and I decided I was going to eat more intuitively and we started dating. So it was like, you know, I wanted to like explore with you and not have to be as diligent as I had been in the past. Um, It was hard. It was like a little scary. You kind of, people listening that have tracked their food before and the biggest objection is that it's so obsessive and then it it takes away a little bit of your intuitive eating, like your ability to eat intuitively. For a short period of time, it kind of does, where you're like, can I eat this? I don't know. I had this comfort in knowing exactly what I could and couldn't eat. So I had to really 
learn how to trust what I had learned over the period of time that I was tracking my food and um, develop the awareness of not just diving into not tracking anything, but uh, doing a little bit of guessing or estimating or not weighing and measuring. Um, and it took some time. There was definitely some ups and downs and struggles. Um, we did a whole podcast episode about it, I think. Yeah, we did too. Yeah, we did too. And so it was definitely a bumpy road, but I got eventually to a place where I now feel really confident in my ability to just listen to my hunger when I'm hungry, when I'm not hungry, um, what I can feel like I can have a treat without completely overdoing it and going off the deep end or not eat things and not feel 100% restricted in that and feel like it's taking away from my enjoyment of life. Mm -hmm. And you also know roughly how many, like what your plate should look like for you to have a really balanced day in terms of Mm -hmm. macronutrients. Yeah, so if I have pancakes in the morning for breakfast, I know the rest of my day needs to be adjusted accordingly. And it's not something I have to really think so hard about. It's just comes more naturally to just make those adjustments. Mm -hmm. And something that both of us have done over the last five years is we'll go through these periods of tracking and getting really dialed in and having a lot of momentum. And then every now and then we'll have some, I don't know, vacation or big event that kind of throws us off track and we have some negative momentum. And then at some point we reel it back in by weighing, measuring, tracking our food again for some period of time. And it just sends us off in this like positive direction and it gets us back to where we're, we feel in control and we feel confident and we feel, um, Yeah, like we're treating our body as well as we could. Yeah, totally. Or we have some new goal that we want to achieve. Mm -hmm. And in order to get towards that new goal, to get there as quickly as possible, we know that being precise helps and it helps it happen faster. So for example, um, we're about to have a baby and I'm after... I know that my milk supply is great and I'm breastfeeding the baby. I'm probably going to go back to tracking my food to feel more in control of what it is that my body's doing. So some reasons to consider being a baker for a while and tracking your food is because it helps you learn what your body actually needs. It helps you develop awareness around your habits. It teaches you to learn to pay attention to your emotions around food. So one of the things that I will often notice is um, at the end of the night, I like I have I've had a habit of binging or um, like succumbing to cravings late at night. And I think during the keto, our keto experiment where I was tracking very diligently, I started to notice right before I would eat something that was slightly outside of my diet. I was feeling some level of boredom or, or I was feeling tired or I was feeling a little anxious. And that was the precursor to me eating something that I really didn't want to eat. And so by tracking and really being intentional about what you're eating, you start to develop this new emotional awareness. And that is, that's kind of getting at the root of a lot of food issues. Yeah, versus if you weren't paying attention to what you were eating and you didn't have to write it down and you didn't have to be accountable to it, you might have just eaten that thing and not paid attention to what's around it where you're like, okay, I don't have... I've already exceeded my calories for the day, let's say. And now I'm going to have to like pause before I make a decision to eat even more, which sometimes that's okay to eat. Like if you're hungry, like it's okay. Um, But you have to stop and think about it. Like, am I actually hungry? 
because I've eaten all this today. So therefore, like what's going on? It just makes you think about things. It, it, there's like, it inserts a pause, mm-hmm. which is really a, a pause. Even if you don't track your food for precisely, pausing for a couple minutes before you decide what you're going to eat is a really amazing skill to mm-hmm. develop. And overall, this is like the precision tool in nutrition. Learning to weigh and measure and track your food and and hit a set of macronutrients is like a Swiss army knife. It allows you to, it is the tool that allows you to manage your body weight and body composition. And without it, um, you could end up working really, really hard, but just continuing to feel like your progress is stalling or your progress actually stalling because you're just not eating consistently and you think you're doing everything perfectly, but there there are things that you're not fully aware of. It can be frustrating. Um, it's obviously not the only way to make progress. It's a really fast way to make progress because you're controlling as many variables as possible while monitoring what's changing. But usually what we, we've noticed for people that um, don't spend a period of time being precise with their tracking um, is that you, you're really gung-ho at the beginning and you're you're eating well and you're staying within like you're you're staying within some type of caloric deficit to help you lose weight and then as you start making progress and as your the motivation isn't as high as it was at the beginning you start becoming a little bit more flexible and lax with yourself but you're not being precise so you don't notice the the moments of extra flexibility. You're like, I'm eating the same things every single day, but slowly, slowly, every day, the portion sizes have been changing. And it's happened so slowly that you just don't notice. Mm. And your habits just really slowly go back to how they were before. Um, because naturally, as human beings, we just want to stay in where we've been the longest. Um, and that it's like when you gain weight slowly, slowly every single day and you see yourself every day and you just don't notice until you all of a sudden see a picture of yourself from months ago and you're like, whoa, I can't believe this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of like trying to make progress without at least building the awareness from tracking your food precisely or you know, really going after a goal without re-bringing up that set of skills that you've developed. It just makes things a little bit harder because you have to have awareness that you haven't built the muscle for. Mm-hmm. With that, I think without going through a period of, uh, of precision like this, it, it could also lead to things like yo-yo dieting or just feeling hopeless around your nutrition in general. Um, people really struggle with nutrition and this is something, this is just a way to get really, really precise about what what is and isn't working. And I also hear a lot, like another objection is people didn't do this stuff a long time ago, you know, but our world is actually designed to make losing weight and maintaining your weight really difficult. All of the chips are stacked against you. Um, food, no pun intended. Yeah. The, <laughs> I didn't mean chips like poker chips, but tortilla but the, chips. The chips are also <laughs> in the perfect place in the grocery store yeah, to market to you and get you to buy them. The companies that are selling this food are hiring psychologists that are specifically designing the packaging and the food and the advertising and the smell and the texture so that you are stimulating certain parts of your brain that reward you and want you to keep eating. Um, a lot of the food is also um, fat and carbs mixed together, which is not something that you find 
often or at all in nature. And that is such a rewarding combination, like French fries or um, cake or pastries or ice cream. It's the combination is so rewarding that it's designed to have us eating more and more and more. Mm -hmm. So it's a hard thing to do in large part because of how we've changed our eating habits as a Western society here. It's also the the physical environment. Like the, the marketing actually has an enormous piece in this. It's like someone trying to stop using heroin, but on every street corner, their favorite drug dealer mm. was posted up and mm. they had the best stuff. It was pure mm. and they just couldn't get away from those triggers. Trying to get over poor food habits is so difficult because the triggers are everywhere in every grocery mm -hmm. store on every television they're just everywhere and we're constantly bombarded by this marketing combined with living a more sedentary lifestyle mm -hmm. and uh, someone in Europe we, we were in Europe last summer and someone in Europe said to us that America is designed to eat more and move less and Europe is designed to move Texas more especially yeah where it's like like think about we were in Amsterdam and Amsterdam is designed to move more. It's the whole city is specifically designed so that you get out there, you walk, you bike, uh, things are located, um, in there's enough grocery stores close, like so many that you could walk there and parks and outdoor when you're in Amer most cities in America are designed with huge freeways that if you're going to get on them, there's, you have to take a car. There's mm -hmm. no way to take anything else to get from A to B. You have to get in a car. It's really designed in many ways to move less and to eat more. So it's not, it's not that this isn't possible to do without tracking your food. It's just a great skill to have so you can conquer a lot of the temptations and the triggers that are just in our life now. Mm -hmm. So this podcast is more about baker status. If you're interested in chef status and how to get there, we did two episodes. One is called Intuitive Eating Equals Nutritional Freedom. The other is Shifting from Tracking to Intuitive Eating. And that's a live coaching call that Adi did with uh, someone that signed up for a free call. So what can people do with this information if they're like, okay, I want to be a baker for a while so I can master that mm -hmm. and, and learn this new skill? Yeah. So if you're down to try being precise for a period of time, what you can do is go get a macronutrient profile designed for you. And there's a bunch of macro calculators online, but we actually have one that's new as well. Um, you can go to workingagainstgravity.com slash macro calculator, and that's going to give you a set of macronutrients, carbs, fats, and protein that's going to uh, be provided for you based on some information that you give about yourself. And you can use that as a starting point. Of course, you can also hire a coach to get the most fine-tuned to you in terms of the initial numbers, but really the magic of a coach is to help you navigate the automatic obstacles that are going to happen when you become more precise. I have met almost no one. I think I've met maybe only one person that I can think of off the top of my head that was initially given a set of macronutrient numbers to follow and nailed it right week one or week two um, that hasn't done it before. Uh, you're just naturally going to hit some resistance where it's frustrating, it's hard, it's how do I eat at a restaurant? How do I travel? Oh my gosh, I have the weirdest numbers left at the end of the day. What what combination of foods would even equate to this? So 
using a coach really helps with those types of scenarios. Um, I would also suggest going to our Working Against Gravity website and getting the nutrition guide. If you go to guides, um, it explains a lot about how to do this, um, more detail about what types of skills you can develop, things to think about. Well, when you download the our macro calculator, we'll send you a bunch of that information as well. Okay, cool. Awesome. Um, and then the second thing is to whether you get a macronutrient profile or not, you can use um, any type of food tracking app like MyFitnessPal, which is just our favorite, um, or just write your food down in a journal. That alone is going to build awareness around your food. I know when Michael and I have struggled with getting back on track with our nutrition and we feel like we're just in that negative momentum he was talking about, just using MyFitnessPal to write down the things that we're eating adds a layer of awareness and accountability that helps us rein things back in. Um, helps us realize, oh, wait, I'm actually not having any protein. I'm not trying to hit a certain number, but I know if I see I've only had 40 grams of protein today, I know it's not enough. Uh, so just tracking your food um, is another thing that you can do. Next, after you've been tracking your food for some period of time, start to reflect on how your week or even your day went to build more awareness. I think this is called like people who have some sort of reflection process, whether that be internal or written are called self-regulatory learners. Um, they're basically like teaching themselves through reflection and studies show research shows that these are the people that learn the fastest. And so you can do this on your own by just reflecting, like looking back over your logs, uh, maybe writing some things down. Uh, and I'll, I'll have one more exercise here for you at the end, or you can do that reflection with a coach. Lastly, one way, or this is really just one way to reflect is to ask yourself over the period of time that I'm looking at, that I'm observing what three things went well and what three things could have gone even better. So you want to acknowledge yourself for the progress that you're making always and, and acknowledge yourself for the wins. And then you want to notice things that you can do even better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Reflection is an absolutely, ma- I think that's no matter what type of nutrition program you're trying to follow, having some type of reflection that centers the conversation around what you can do better and what you're doing really well versus why is this diet not working for me is going to be very powerful for you. Um, Taking responsibility for your own health and wellness is the fastest way to get results in anything because all diets work for someone. So uh, just taking responsibility, like I am in control of my own health and wellness, therefore means that I'm more likely to take action versus playing um, a little bit of a victim. Uh, So asking yourself what went well and what are three things that I could have done better, no matter what it is that you're following, is really awesome. You're praising yourself and you're giving yourself credit for the hard work that you're doing. And then you're also finding ways that even if you're like, you don't know exactly what could have gone better, but you can see some th- areas that were sticky. Like I had a, I had a little bit of anxiety and stress that came up when I went out to restaurants. It gives you an, a spot to look at of where can I improve and ask questions, do some research, go on the internet. And it, there's probably a million articles out there on how to follow a diet at restaurants, things like that. Go on the internet, guys. I mean, we have at least like five or six on our website. 
All right, y'all. Thanks again to Andy Galpin for the cook, baker, chef analogy. And if you're interested in that macro, macro calculator that Adi talked about, it's workingagainstgravity.com forward slash macro calculator. Thanks. Peace, y'all. Thanks for joining us. Stay in touch by signing up for our newsletter at workingagainstgravity.com or on Instagram at workingagainstgravity. And don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes, leave us a five-star review, and refer a friend. We'll be back next week with another episode. Talk to you then.